Before we jump in, I want to highlight one of our partners. Briarcrest College and Seminary has been developing leaders for the church in Canada and beyond for over 85 years, and they've partnered with us this year to make this podcast possible for you. I'll share a bit more about some exciting news about Briarcrest and what they've got going on for the fall semester at the end of the episode. When I drive around, people are like, oh my goodness, there's you know, thousands and thousands of people who go to your church. Uh, man, you must be so happy. And I'm like, well, when I drive home from the office, it's all the people I'm driving beside that don't go to my church that bug me. You know, they don't know Jesus. So yeah, there's all these people who do, and that's awesome. But I'm always trying to think about all the people who don't care about any of this. And it's like, how do we go reach them? How do we do everything in our power to reach them? Well, hey, it's Jason here, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. Today, we've got the privilege of hearing from the one and only Mark Clark from the Village Church in Surrey, British Columbia. Mark is the senior pastor of Village Church, a church planted in 2010, which is now a vibrant multi-site church in the greater Vancouver area in Calgary, and they've got incredible vision to plant churches in every major city in Canada. What always stands out to me about Mark is his deep commitment to make the message of Jesus accessible to those furthest from the church. And today's interview is extra special because this conversation was hosted by my friend Shayla Visser, the National Director of Alpha Canada. It's an incredible interview. I know you're going to love it. So let's jump in. Mark Clark, it is wonderful to be with you here today on the Canadian Church Leaders podcast. And I have long admired what you've been doing at Village Church. And we've become friends and it's been such a joy to me. You never cease to amaze me with what you're doing, but also your uh, friendship and encouragement of what's happening in the church in Canada. So thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you. You amaze me. I don't know how you how you keep doing what you're doing, but it's amazing. Well, we're lucky we've got a little bit of energy we were born with. Yeah, that's right. So this has been an interesting season for what all of us. What about it? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What's interesting about it? I don't, is something going on? It's just been a small pandemic. You might not have heard of it. That, yes. <laughs> so I just, I, I'd love to go back a little bit before COVID hit and talk about your church because you have such an interesting story. I know you started, like most church plants, with a small group of people out of a living room, and it has grown incredibly. And I'd love for you to talk about what that journey's been like and a little bit about Village. Yeah, so 2010 we started um, with a group of people in our, in our house and just wanted to really start a church that was um, it was for people who like me growing up like the unchurched, de-churched, skeptic, uh, go after you know people who actually didn't believe any of this, or the de-churched who you know grew up in it and then walked away from it all because it was all you know whatever too sentimental, too emotional, too you know, whatever, um, hypocritical, maybe whatever. Um, and really try to, you know, preach the Bible, uh, verse by verse, uh, be gospel centered. And so constantly telling people that they are not the hero of their own life, but Jesus is talking about sin, talking about, you know, the kind of the historic theological doctrines of the church. Um, but also to connect into real people's lives in Canada, uh, who, People might say Jesus is a good guy, he's a good leader, whatever, but I'm not going to like actually follow him with my money and my relationship life and whatever. And to just um, go do our best to go after people like that. And 
see where it went. We knew it wouldn't be for everybody. You know, I was 29 years old and full of whatever and vinegar and uh, just like ready to go, you know, no nonsense. And it's not going to be for everybody. I like to say that, you know, my church is probably not the church that would reach my mom um, because her personality type is such that, you know, it's going to be a different kind of church. And so we said, different churches are going to reach different kinds of people. And we don't want to try to be all things to all people. So anyway, we started out and just started preaching and teaching and people started coming to know Jesus and inviting their friends and they would come to know Jesus. And we like to, you know, be, try to be authentic, try to be real. Don't take ourselves too serious. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it just started to grow and people started to get baptized and get their life changed and, get off drugs and get their marriages in order, you know, these practical, pragmatic things that started to take place in their life that they realized Jesus was actually the answer to rather than, you know, all of these principles of life or whatever. And um, yeah, just started to kind of take off. And so we started planting sites and adding services and all of that. And so before COVID, we were up to uh, six physical locations um, in Vancouver, in the greater Vancouver area and in Calgary, and plans to plant um, a couple more across Canada, and then COVID hit. So we went exclusively, obviously, online and uh, have seen a lot of great, um, cool things come of that, too. So we're, yeah, 10 years in, we're on an interesting ride and just trying to hang on. Did you ever dream it would become what it is today? Uh, no, no. I, I, I wanted to, you know, I don't know. People used to tell me I had a, like, um, I'm not... How do I put this? So I'm a pastor, Shayla, but I'm I'm not I don't have some of the pastoral ingredients that other pastors have. So I'm more of kind of on the apex chart of, you know, Ephesians 4, I'm more of that the first three apostle prophet evangelist. And so while I do care about people, I'm a little bit more like let's try to do some stuff, let's be innovative, let's try to reach people for Christ and I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't have this like, well, if we have the church and we're just talking to the church, uh, then that's good enough kind of mentality. When I drive around, people are like, oh my goodness, there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people go to your church. Uh, man, you must be so happy. And I'm like, well, when I drive home from the office, it's all the people I'm driving beside that don't go to my church that bug me. You know, they don't know Jesus. So yeah, there's all these people who do, and that's awesome. But I'm always trying to think about all the people who don't care about any of this. And it's like, how do we go reach them? How do we do everything in our power to reach them? So um, yeah, I didn't. I never thought of it would be as big as it is. But I, I didn't have small vision like I was going to be happy with, uh, you know, forty people sitting around talking to each other, you know, about whatever. Your staff sizing has changed, obviously, over those number of years, and your journey has probably helped stretch you as a leader. What are some of the key leadership qualities that you have had to practice at this stage that you weren't even utilizing early on? Oh, man. Well, let me encourage the pastors out there who have, um, it's very interesting, right? You get into this job uh, for a few different reasons. You feel called to, you know, lead so leadership's probably one, though there's pastors across Canada maybe that don't have that gifting. Uh, you get into it to shepherd people. 
you get in it to preach and teach. You get in it because you love theology and discipling people and you want to do it on a church scale. You get into all these reasons. And then all of a sudden you have to become a manager. So instead of going into Indigo books and going down to the Christian aisle, you got to go to the management aisle and read Peter Drucker and you know all these things that you're like, at some point you go, this is not why I did this. Like figuring out everyone's, you know, Enneagram and workplace love language and then figuring out how to make sure they're happy in their job and reading all the newest literature on people working from home and the water cooler and advanced details on like management of people and their tasks is not when you were 20 years old, what you went to Bible college for. So uh, these are skills that you have to learn. Some of, some of them I never learned and still haven't. And I'm not very good at them, to be honest. I know that might blow your mind, Shayla. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I just, if, if I'm like any other pastor out there listening, watching this, whatever, right now, um, honestly, it's like, it's literally tiring and I don't have the skill set. So um, what have you done to put around yourself to help buffer that side? Yeah, people who can. I mean, I, there's a certain level that you have to have competence in and work on yourself and be like, okay, I have to do this well because I'm the caretaker of the culture of the staff. And so if I'm not at stuff, if I'm not showing that I love them, if I'm not encouraging them, if I'm not doing those kind of things, then obviously it's a big deal. You can't hire that out in a sense. Um but I don't like, I'm not the guy who's going to come up with the staff Devo every week for staff meeting. I'm going to become part of staff meeting. And if I have something to say, I'll say it, but I'm not spending my time creating 20 minute devotionals to lead my staff every week and blah, blah, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. We have other people do that. It's an opportunity to develop other leaders and I'm trying to play to my strengths a little bit, but at a time like this where my, my head is so just just filled with so many different things going on because everything's online and all the teaching and the preaching and the different things we got to be doing day in and day out. It's like, I'm that would break me and my staff know it. And so I just try to be authentic and real about it and go, look, I can't be that guy for you. Now, sometimes you just have to be uh, and you got to suck it up and do it, but uh, it's not life-giving. Uh, to me right now, it's it's draining. And so I try to have people on our staff that can do it well and have a staff that understand that I have my, you know, limits too. So, so yeah, so that piece of it, you do have to work hard at it. You have to become a great manager. You have to become a great leader. You have to retain culture. You have to train, you know, you can't, as, as one book I read, you can't fire your children, right? So if you look at your staff as people who you can't fire, what would you do with them in order to develop them into the best that they can be? Now, of course, there does come a point when you can let them go. Uh, and then you have those quadrants of potential stars and stars, and you're trying to move them about attitudes and effectiveness and all, you know, the X, Y axes and all that kind of stuff. And, and constantly trying to work on that stuff with each and every one of our staff and doing our best. But uh, to be honest right now, you know, to the leaders out there who are feeling tired of that. You're not alone. I feel it too. Uh, and you know, we just got to prayerfully just be like, look, there's a season where hopefully the staff can buy into like, look, I'm not perfect. I just can't be this for you right now. I mean, I'm these nine other things still for you. 
but I can't be this for you right now. So if that makes you quit, I don't actually even know where you're going to go. So, <laughs> so you know, um, Mark, I, just as you are saying this, I have such compassion for you and for church leaders across our country who have been through so many ups and downs in this season. Uh, what have you done spiritually for yourself? Have there been some new rhythms in this season that have helped you stay connected to Christ, stay whole with your family in the midst of all of this change? Um, yeah, I know. I mean, in a sense, I, so I have a, an office, a home office, and I'm able to spend time, you know, a little bit, dis- not everybody has that, but disconnected. So my, it's literally off of my house. And so I'm able to kind of, okay, family, love y'all, walk out, you know, to my office and be out there in my own space and be able to read and pray and think and strategize and have Zoom meetings or whatever. And then, you know, my, it's funny because my wife says I get home later now than I used to, even though the commute is like a six second walk. Um, but And so that, you got to be careful of that. And so one of the things you got to discipline, I still create a calendar, you know, done at five or whatever, and go, you know, all of those things. Um but I think the time with the family has actually been a huge win because it's it's about like the integration of your life into your family life um, and making sure that your kids are actually like, okay, they see that dad works, but dad prioritizes us and hey, I'm hanging out for lunch. I'm, you know, doing all that. So there's little family things that are great. But um, for me, it's it's making sure that, you know, that time out there, out in the office, it's actual time that is spent doing things that are spiritually good for me and good for the church and good for the staff. Um, and, and maybe to come back to, you know, practically your principle, it might be a, uh, what I'm not doing more so than any big change that I have made. It's, it's making sure that I'm not trying to be for my staff and for my church, something that I don't have the capacity to be for them. And so uh, one example is there is a whole bunch of people right now that are messaging me, emailing me to be everything for them. So one email will be, and all the pastors out there, you know what I'm talking about. So one email will be, um, here's the deal, Mark. Um, I'm a doctor and I have seen people at Village Church spreading conspiracy theories online that they shouldn't get vaccines and that it doesn't matter. And we don't, we need to wear a mask. We just need to go out and do whatever. Cause the government's lying to us and you know, blah, blah, blah. And we all just need to go about our lives and gather as a church and stop listening to the government. And you need to shut these people down. It is your pastoral duty to speak to these people and tell them to shut up. And it's, if you don't, it's a, it's a neglect of your duty. Okay. The next email will be Mark. Don't you know that we are listening to the government too much? We have bad information. No one's dying from this thing. We need to gather as church again. And you need to get up and speak to our church and tell them to make sure that they do not take these vaccines, that they don't act like this. And literally, I and then so what what so every day I get that. Then the next week. Hey, why aren't you speaking more about race is the one email. Then the next one is, I can't believe you got up and spoke about race. So what's happening is I'm becoming 
the the place where people can vent their frustrations symbolically, and I'm supposed to be the spokesperson for all the cultural things that are going on right now. And I feel, I imagine the leaders out there, they feel overwhelmed by it. So here's what I've started to do. I don't answer every single one of those emails. Do you know how many people DM me on Instagram? I've started, like, I just ignore them. And so part of it, Shayla, it doesn't sound that spiritual, is as a leader, you actually need to start ignoring some stuff and and not responding to everybody's concerns about you. I know we all got in this because we love to be liked, but it will kill you spiritually, emotionally, it will destroy you and your family. You'll be distracted by it. You'll be discouraged by it. If you try to be the spokesperson for everyone's issues, every moment at all times, one of the things that I have done, and I've looked at my church and said this, is I've said, when it comes to some of these views on these things, my job is Romans 14. Some of you eat vegan. Some of you don't eat vegan. Okay, great. I can't make these things the gospel issues that you think they are about vaccines. And I got people in my church that are dividing into camps over this stuff. And they're like, Mark, you got to be the spokesperson for my camp. You got to be. Romans 14 says there's vegan people and there's non-vegan people. Here's what my thing is. Are you gospel people? Then don't divide. My job isn't to take a side on vegan or non-vegan. My job is to shepherd and lead you through the gospel. And so some of it is just understanding who you're not supposed to be and all the things you're not supposed to do that are going to crunch your time and your energy. You know, in this season, I think so many pastors are feeling overwhelmed, as you said, by the different camps and all the different options of how they can respond. And I think also Ephesians 1 talks about having a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And I think that's my prayer for church leaders is to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation because it's really Jesus-centric and allows them to enter into these discussions thinking, hey, it's about Jesus and lifting Jesus up. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, What have you learned and perhaps changed your mind about over the last number of weeks as we're months into this pandemic? Have you changed your mind about some things as it relates to church? Um, well, probably some things that we were all feeling have been affirmed in the sense of, you know, the physical ministries that we do, the physical spaces, uh, the reliance upon those kinds of things to define this is what a church is, uh, you know, um, a gathering of people in a physical location versus, you know, a people called out by God in the world and how do you lead that kind of underground, you know, more organic missional movement in the world versus an event or a program or whatever. All the stuff that we kind of know and knew going into this uh, has just been solidified. And in a way that has said, you know, as my as my friend Carrie Newoff talks about, like everyone you want to reach is online. So if 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 you know, 0.5% of your budget is spent on online and everything else is spent on staffing and programming around physical locations. If you're not changing that, you know, it's that money ball scene, right? If every, if every baseball team isn't changing based on, you know, they're going to be dinosaurs. And I mean, I mean, I was at conference, Shayla, you know, I was at conferences five years ago going, if we are still sitting around saying, 
Because I, I do video sermons. So I preach once and then all the, all the sites are video. So people are, Mark, that's not even real preaching. That's not real Christianity. That's not real pastoring. That's not real leadership because you're on a video and you've got to be in the room. The Holy Spirit can only work if you're in the physical space and you can read the audience. Blah, blah, blah. And I used to be like, guys, if we're actually still saying this, we're going to be dinosaurs in 20 years. Like everyone you, and everyone said, no, no, no. Now, the same people who are criticizing me on video are on video, speaking to their churches online because it's the only way you can. And yet the Holy Spirit is still saving people, ministering to people, doing amazing things to their ministry. And um, it's a very interesting thing because you realize the capacity for the audience, but you've got to be able to do it well. And so to the leaders out there, I would say, I would plead with you. I know we all have different um, budget, you know, realities, but your people in this moment, and this isn't meant to put burden or weight on you because I know a lot of the articles, when you read them and it goes, look, your people now don't compare you to Joe Blow up the road. They compare you to every other preacher online, that's stressful for a lot of pastors. And I'm not saying this in order to stress you out. I'm saying it because it's true in the sense of let it, let it force you and your teams to be innovative, spend money in the right ways to get your quality of production and those kind of things up just on a real practical point. Um, because the medium really is the message in many ways right now. Again, I'm not telling you, you got to have you know, elevation level quality and all this stuff. Don't, I'm not putting that burden on you. I'm just saying really work with your production teams. And I would say engage volunteers who are artists to make sure, look, you, you went to church, you're a pastor or you went to school as a pastor. No one expects you to be uh, great at creative design production. But there are people in your congregation who are better at this than you. There's people on your staff who are better. Trust them when they tell you, look, stop with the this, put the that, the light here, the this. You got to trust some of those people. So anyway, really practically spending resources because in my estimation, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here, Shayla. I know we want to be encouraging and uplifting and, and, and I want to be. Um, the reality is... Um, I don't know that this is going away for Canada anytime soon. I I think my prediction is that, and what do we know? I mean, uh, everything changes every week, but, you know, um, my prediction is this is going to be a bit of a cycle until there's some kind of vaccine that a lot of people take, and that's a whole debate. But um, that this is going to be like um, – Forest fires or terrorism, where remember when you'd go up the line, you'd go, you'd go to the airport, it was orange and green and whatever, and everyone knew what that meant. I think that's what this will be potentially for years. This will be, okay, guys, we're at a phase two, which everybody knows, oh boy, it's November. That means we're all stuck in our houses and we can't go out. Oh, now we're down to phase one. Now we're at phase three. And I just think this is going to be this ever flowing, fluctuating thing I don't think it's going to be like, okay, it's January 4th. We beat COVID. Now everybody go back to their churches. I think we're going to have to start thinking. And to come back to your question, this has caused me to try to think about, for instance, church planting differently, the ministries, youth ministry differently, kids ministry differently, 
if we're not putting that filter on all of it and we're just, we think this is going back to normal in January, then I don't think we're thinking about this right. So I, I think we really got to work hard at going, if this is an, and online, of course, should be, no one should shut their online off, even if we all go back to our buildings, of course, you know, because everyone we want to reach is online. Anyway, so all of that to say, there may be some things that were affirmed in my mind, but then there's some things I've learned around shifting to a priority of online. So we have these sites that are listed, you know, our six sites, physical locations, but now it's like, no, it's one website. Here's the staff. Here's what we do. Here's what we offer. We took our lead pastor of this site. We said, well, you don't, you're not, you know, right now, you're not really the pastor of that site. You're just one of the amazing staff members we have for the national thing that is Village Church. So now you, you're our community group guy because you're amazing. And now our lead pastor who is leading a church of 1,400 people is now one of the people who are doing the curriculum for community groups because it's it's one big church. You know, so anyway, so those are some of the things that were changing. That's a quite substantial change, both leadership ministry philosophy about online's here to stay and how that affects all your different components of your church. I thought you said something that was really interesting about the Holy Spirit still works online. That's been our experience. Uh, and we have talked to so many churches and they've been shocked that you can have prayer ministry online, you can do evangelism online, and the Holy Spirit is not restricted by Zoom or by any technology. The Holy Spirit is always helping people come to know Jesus and always helping people understand um, who Jesus is. And in your church, you've always specialized in, I would say, the many times I've heard you, apologetics. You're, you're, you provide a great defense of the gospel and help open up the words so that people who aren't believers could understand more about Jesus. Uh, you just recently uh, had a book that you collaborated on, Everyday Apologetics, mm -hmm. which I think is now out, and you have specialized in evangelism. What has changed in this season around evangelism with everything moving online? How have you engaged your congregation to be activated and inviting because they're not inviting to a physical site, they're inviting yeah. online. How has evangelism shifted or become uh, different in this season? Well, I think that if your people, um, so same principle applies. Um, if your people are excited about what you, what you do in church every week, they're going to invite a friend or family member that don't know Jesus because you're speaking to them. Look, if every sermon you preach, you never say, hey, by the way, if you're an atheist, you might think this about this text. Or if you're a Buddhist, you might, if you never say that as a preacher, then why would I ever bring my friend? Because you're not talking to them. So right from the beginning, you got to talk to them every week. So we've done that every week since we started. Every, almost 90% of sermons you'd ever listen to me, I'm saying if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Jew, if you're a, if you're an atheist, if you're agnostic, if you're new age, here's how you think about this text. And here's what this text is saying to you. Every single week for 10 years, you build a culture of that. And then people start. So going online, that conversation has just expanded. It's just been like, well, now you're watching online. You're just sitting there on your phone, you're sitting in your living room and you don't believe anything I'm saying right now. In fact, you were reading this and you're that and you're new age this and you've been reading Deepak Chopra that or whatever. Well, let me tell you what Jesus has to say. It's, if people are excited about that, 
then they're going to share that online in the same way that they would have invited them to the physical space. And so I don't think you have to, if you're doing stuff that your people are proud of and excited about, I don't think you have to like force them to share it and be like, okay, everyone now make sure you share this, you know, and shame them into, they're going to be excited. They're going to want to share it. And so if your people aren't sharing it, uh, whether that's YouTube channels or Facebook stuff or Twitter stuff or Instagram or emails or whatever, then you got to ask the question, why? You know, is it something to do with what we're saying and doing? Or is it that they're not evangelistic? You know, I I just, I, and so a, a next practical step we've done is now that we in BC, and I don't know across Canada what the rules are, but we're allowed to gather with 50 people. So one of the things that we announced was, Let's start having house church parties on Sunday. So what we do is we is we put our services online um, as kind of a live experience at 7 a.m. And that's in order to reach Ontario and the East Coast um, because we have a lot of people from across Canada. And that's what we want. So you want to come back to a bit of the vision piece of what we we see ourselves doing. But 7, 9, 11, but then it goes up on demand uh, YouTube at one o'clock where people can at any moment during their day and pause it, whatever, watch the whole service. And that's actually, you know, increased our, our engagement a lot. Um, but being able to do that and then have people over to their house. So have 30 people, have 20 people, your neighbors, as you know, Shayla with alpha, your neighbors are going to, you know, kind of that, that, you know, the hospitality or evangelism comes with the house key kind of philosophy where it's like your neighbors are going to come into your house for hospitality, food, hangout, whatever. If you put a church service on and go, Hey, we're going to all sit and watch church together. And then we're going to all eat and hang out. Your neighbors will come to that. So we've encouraged our church, start doing those house church parties uh, and kind of see where that goes. So. Hey, we'll jump right back into our conversation with Mark and Shayla in just a moment. And I know Shayla quickly mentioned it, but I want to highlight a new book that Mark collaborated on called Everyday Apologetics. This book was written to walk readers through helpful responses to Christianity's most difficult objections today. And there were a number of Canadian writers who contributed to it. People like Mark Clark, Chris Price, Andy Steiger, John Morrison, Paul Chamberlain, and many more. They cover lots of different topics. It's a great resource. They talk about things like why is the God of the Old Testament so violent? Our science and faith and fundamental conflict with another issues of exclusivity and more. You can get a copy on Amazon today. And with all that said, let's jump back into the conversation with Mark. I want to just take the conversation in a different direction. You love raising up young leaders. Not that old yourself, but you love raising up young leaders. I'm Can you just 40. seek? Yeah, you're almost I'm 40. It. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You, you really want to raise up the next generation of leaders. Can you speak to that passion and what you guys are doing at Village to, do, to provide a ramp for some young leaders? Yeah, I mean, this moment is hard because you don't have as many outlets. Uh, so, you know, young leaders tend to get gravitate towards something and then you give them probably more responsibility than you should. Uh, I know that happened with me. I was still smoking a pack of cigarettes a day when they started letting me preach uh, in, in or in youth ministry, which, you know, uh, I don't know if I would do that today. But anyway, that was how I started. Um, and so the reality is it's like you got to give them the opportunity to gravitate towards something they get excited about and then giving them responsibility to do it. So right now it's like, innovation is going to be huge. And, you know, Rodney Stark talked about that years ago is 
you know, secularism doesn't destroy religion. It stimulates innovation, he said in one of his books. And I think it's true that it, this must force us to ask different questions about how we do ministry. Uh, and, you know, young leaders, it's the same thing. So you gotta, you gotta use them because believe it or not, they know how to do online better than you do and better than I do. Um, my daughter doing stuff, I don't, you know, I track what she does. She's not on like TikTok and all this kind of crazy stuff. Cause I want to keep her contained a bit, but she knows how to grab my phone and go and do all this crazy stuff. These people have audiences I didn't think were a thing or how to get them talking about stuff I would never talk about. And so you got to be able to look to the young leaders and make sure they're in the room, especially now that we're online. You and your little Facebook audience there, you know, 50-year-old man, is not where anyone is anymore. You know, that, believe it or not, I know that's our generation. We think that's the greatest thing. These guys have moved on. Um, my, my daughter doesn't have Facebook. You know, they, they're worried about that stuff. And so they're on to other things. And if we're not looking at those, the 21-year-old knows more about how to reach a vaster audience of people than your 50-year-old pastor does, guaranteed. The question is, are they in the room to be having those conversations about methodology and missiology or not? Uh, you know, so sometimes we leave them out because, well, they don't really know what they're talking or we, you know, to be honest, Shayla, what, what it is, is it's intimidation and what's more exhausting than having to work in a sphere of life that you don't understand. We don't need to relearn anything. We're 50 years old. We're tired. We just, we're just get us to the next phase or 40, whatever, forget age. I'm, I'm not even 40 and I'm tired. Because the amount of work I have put into this job is so much that the idea that I need to rethink it top to bottom sounds tiring. It's like, let's just open the doors again and get everyone back to listen to me preach. That sounds good. And it's like, you got to rethink categories, philosophy, budgets, leadership development, the whole thing. And I think we're tired. And we don't want to do it. But bottom line is giving those young leaders opportunity to be in the room as much as you can. I'm not saying I do it perfect. We, you know, we, we lose young leaders because they weren't in the room or I didn't, I wasn't, the, the, the problem with our method is that um, there's not a lot of opportunity to let them preach. So oftentimes leaders want to be communicators and preach, but when you, when you're so, you know, built around a communicator on video and all that stuff. We try to let other people preach, but there's not as many opportunities as there would be in a system where we had a team thing and a Sunday night and a th and we had all these opportunities to preach. So they do youth ministries and community groups and different things. Um, but there's not as many opportunities to put, you know, 10 different leaders on stage every year. Um, so there's some cons to our system in that. But I would say, of course, you're, you're developing them, you're drawing them, you're giving them opportunity, you're letting them in the room. Well, for some young leaders too, Mark, as you just said, they want the hard skills, which are the public speaking opportunities to be up front because that's what they feel called to. But in this season, 
uh, although Patrick Lencioni doesn't like the word soft skills because he says they're actually really important skills, right. there is an opportunity for us to work with them to teach them the soft skills during the season where they can't do sort of the common works that they may have done beforehand. There's a lot of soft skills to learn right now that can make them a great leader. And yeah. I love how yeah. you're giving them other outlets to practice being a leader. Well, and I, even more than that, I mean, to the innovation question, about two years ago, we realized that here's our strength and weakness. So we plant these churches, Shayla, like, and they're in movie theaters and whatever, and they're video, like the whole service, music and preaching, right? So, so you start to draw these leaders, but what's the profile of a church planter when the preaching, see, the, the 1985 version of church planting, well, the 1999 version of church planting was, oh, you've got a great communicator. Man, let's make sure there's some other skills, but he can communicate. So church planner, in our system, that's not actually what we need. We need an apostolic leader. We need someone who can like, who can think about evangelism, who could actually reach people for Christ on the Saturday to, you know, whatever, Friday. Uh, and And Sunday is kind of like, yeah, that's taken care of. Like we got we got stuff for that. Your job is to lead these people. So what we're finding is our profile of a church planter isn't even preacher. It's leader, entrepreneur, business, someone running a bit a company that knew how to develop staff and manage and think about ideas and innovation. That's the person we want to take because actually they're easier to train. Then the other way, if I take guys from seminary or Bible college and try to teach them to be great entrepreneurs and managers, that's harder than taking someone who can grow a business and whatever and go here, read these 20 theology books and never say anything that's not in these, right? That's actually easier. Yeah, so I our agree. profile of a leader has changed a bit for what we look for. Yeah, that's really helpful. Mark, as we finish off our time together, uh, Thinking about the church leaders in Canada and the season all leaders are in, regardless of in their business, church, wherever, what would you want to say to them right now? It is psychologically, emotionally, spiritually a weird season for all of us. Um, and so I would say don't make any major life decisions right now. Um, make sure you're mentally, spiritually healthy. Um and just just keep kind of do don't be afraid to like when you read all these blogs that are telling you here's the next level of innovation and, and you feel overwhelmed by it just take it as like a little bit of a corrective for yourself don't take it as an overhaul of your whole identity like it's trying to spur you on to think differently to be creative great just do that in the capacity and sphere that you can do it don't take it and go, well, because I'm not the most creative person on the planet and I don't have all the money on the planet, that means I should not do this anymore. I should go do something else. You know, don't do that. Play to your strengths. Um, but don't put yourself as a leader into scenarios that are going to cause you more and more and more and more stress and burn you out because your family and friends are going to notice it and they're going to pay the price. So there is a moment right now where it's like, not everything needs to necessarily be about growth right now. What about being healthy and and locking down the things you know? So if you at your church, you do three things really well, 
and those things can be done in this online context, just because you read a blog that tells you to do four other things doesn't mean you got to do those things. Do those three things well. You're still reaching people. You're still discipling people and start slowly planning for the future. Uh, so yeah, so th- that would be my my encouragement. Would you pray for our church leaders as we finish today? Yeah, Lord, we are grateful for the uh, for the opportunity to do this. Um, and I pray for anybody listening to this that they would feel the inspiration, Holy Spirit, give them the ideas, give them the places they must rest and just be content that their identity is not in being a successful leader. Their identity is being a child of God, beloved of you. Uh, you have done the effective work. You're the one who has produced in the cross and in the resurrection. We can rest in that and do our best to, to manage the gifts and the opportunities that you've given us. And I pray that you would do that uh, in the lives of every single one of these leaders um, and that we would see Canada come to know Jesus in a way that they've never known him uh, in the next 10 years because of the leaders listening to this, being inspired by this, from the leaders that you've given the church. Holy Spirit, bring unity around the gospel. Help us be inspired uh, to actually lead churches and movements that plant churches and movements, that this would be an evangelistic strategy for our nation, not an end in itself. Being in a church, hanging out together, having fellowship is not an end goal. And I pray that we would burn with that reality, that all of that stuff is good stuff for our own soul and the souls of our families. Good. But it all has an unto, and the unto is the mission that you've given us with the time that you've given to us. And so let that passion burn in us as pastors, as leaders, and to never go out uh, and and let it be centered on the person and the work of Jesus, uh, not uh, things that we simply come up with week in and week out because... A, that doesn't change people, and B, it's extremely tiring and burns us all out in the end. So let us just honor and glorify you in those things and and let us do that to your glory and for the good of the people in Canada. In Jesus' great name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say thanks to Mark and Shayla for taking time to have this conversation and for sharing it with us today. We've got the highlights of this interview available on our blog as well as on Instagram and YouTube channels if you'd like to see the video version of it. If you want to connect more with Mark, with his books and teaching, we've got links to all of his work on our blog at ccln.ca. And we'll also link out to his newest book that we mention every day, Apologetics. Hey, when you subscribe and review this podcast, it really does go a long way. So please go ahead and do that. And when you share it with others, you help us include more and more pastors and leaders in this conversation. So a huge thank you to all of you who've been following along online and then sharing these episodes and social content on your platform. And hey, we've got big news that we promised we'd share from our friends at Briarcrest College and Seminary. They will be returning to campus this fall in person. If you know someone who'd rather be on campus than online this fall, Briarcrest would be a great option for them with courses that are highly transferable to other Canadian universities and a community focused on discipleship. This could be a life-changing year for you or for someone you know. Check out their return to campus ebook and webinar dates at briarcrestcollege.ca return. Okay, that's all for today. We'll see you all soon.